Welcome to part two of Bob McKinney's interview. I did not expect part one to go for so long, and I finally had to just hold up a timeout sign to Bob, and I said, we're going to do, we're going to split this up because I don't want to shorten what you have to say. In fact, Bob's going to come back on for episode part three and part four for us. But this is part two of the one night where he and I just sat and talked for a long time. So welcome to part two with Mr. Bob McKinney, author of how here's how to do accent modification a manual for speech language pathologists sit back and enjoy hello and welcome to the missing link for slp's podcast i'm glad you're here Today's episode is part of the SLP Spotlight series where I talk with SLPs in a variety of SLP positions and settings, doing things that we knew SLPs did, but also working in areas that we've never thought or heard of SLPs working in. It is amazing the opportunities these SLPs have taken and where their careers have gone. This is storytelling time. And we are back picking up with Bob McKinney. We just have this great conversation going about accent modification. And we are just going to pick right back up, as Bob, you said, with question number five, which is? Well, this was about the advice for best mindset and approach. And that I was glad that we could talk about this because I think that this will help explain some of the misunderstandings about what we actually do. But And just to start off, I know we've talked about this, that idea of cultural humility and client-centered approach is extremely important to us. But in terms of what we actually do, a lot of the great research on, in this field comes from the ESL world, and it was a lot of it done in the 90s by Derwing and Monroe, and they've written a lot of books uh, and uh, articles about this. But they were the first ones, I think, who really, they were pioneers because they were able to, they tried to tease out different aspects of someone who's a non-native speaker. And it was just amazing work. But what they really tried to do first is, act, is isolate the accentedness, they called it, which is the accent itself. And I think that's beautiful because that just tells you the part about just sounding different and as much as you can separate that out from any communication, any effect on communication, doesn't need to be touched at all because it's beautiful and who cares, right? <laughs> we love it. Right. So, so that's the part. So that's the kind of sad part about it is it's a branding issue because we call ourselves accent modification. But to be honest, we really don't work on accent ever. So we try to isolate that part. You know, somebody's from Ireland. They sound like they're from Ireland. You know, they're not from San Diego but they're from Ireland. So who cares? Right. So that's the part we try to separate that part out. And I think if we could explain that to our peers even more, it would take a lot of these issues off the table. But the, the next thing they want to isolate is the obvious one, which is intelligibility. And that's usually for most SLPs, the huge thing that you're focused on, because to communicate, we know you have to be intelligible. So that goes to everything we do. If you want to share your ideas, you, you have to be intelligible. You have to say something. Other people have to understand it. They added a third thing, which they called comprehensibility. And for them, that sometimes is called ease of understanding, but it's just sort of like, how hard is it for you to understand someone, even if, you, if they're intelligible? Now, I personally think that area could be redrawn a little bit. So in my book, I put that as naturalness. Because I think SLPs are also good at that, which is naturalness to me means that let's separate that out from intelligibility. I can understand exactly what somebody said, but they said it so differently from the way I'm used to and different patterns that I focused a lot on how they were saying it versus what they were saying. Mm -hmm. So 
this is the idea of just speaking naturally versus the intelligibility. And I think that SLPs have a huge bias towards intelligibility and accuracy because we mostly work with native speakers. We don't work on the naturalness as much. You know, sometimes you do maybe with clients who stutter or alaryngeal speech or certain areas where that's going to come up. But normally we're focused on, hey, can you get this sound accurately? Good. You're good to go. Versus with our accent clients, that's not enough to be accurate. So I really focused, I call it clear and natural, that you have people have to speak intelligibly and then naturally. The other thing is we need to focus on segmentals and super segmentals because the SLP world focuses very heavily on segmentals. You know, you think about the kids and you're working on a certain phoneme. They're working on their S or they're working on their R. And a lot of SLPs are not really trained in some of these super segmental features of English, like the prosody or intonation, we, we like to call it too, the rate, the phrasing, linking. These are not things that are taught in our undergraduate programs or even in grad school, because it's just not as much, a, it doesn't play as big of a role with our clients. In, in the ESL world, which is where I started, it's huge over there. So when I did teacher training, which is over 30 years ago, I was in Budapest. This was right away. They were telling us, okay, these are the super segmentals. This is what works. And, and when I went to grad school, it never came up once, I don't think, or rarely. You know, so it was just interesting to see that the ESL world kind of had that figured out many, many years ago. I mean, it's going back to the 40s, really. Um, so I think SLPs, that's the best approach. It's really focus. Don't focus on the accent. We love the accent. We want to support that. Focus on intelligibility and naturalness. And then Keep an eye on these super segmentals because those are huge. Very good. That intonation is huge. You know, some of these things are play a major role in communication. It is. It is huge. And also, like I know, when when we work with accent mods, we work um, also just some of the it, idioms and mannerisms and gestures. Oh, and absolutely. All yes. of that. Yes. Yes. Facial expressions, gestures. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of it too. So next question, number six, if you, what words of advice do you have for the student or the new speech pathologist who's going to be working with an accent mod? Where do you start? Well, I think you you do want to uh, dust off your phonetics book, or if you're a student, you probably uh, have it available somewhere (laughs) nearby. Maybe you could read it for the first time, but um, (laughs) just kidding. But you you do want to make sure you're up to date on your phonetics because that's the most relevant course that you can take. And then you want to fill in the gaps. And a lot of the gaps are in terms of the vowels, because you probably studied the vowels, but you need to be up to speed on that. And then the super segmentals, and I talked about that a little bit. So really bridging that gap so that you understand some of the things. And you can get a lot of materials, and I'll talk about some of that too. You know, my book, I I hope, is, is a good way to bridge the gap. And then maybe a little bit of grammar too, because I think people imagine they, as a native speaker, you think, oh, well, my grammar's perfect because I'm perfect at English, but it's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about these things that you learned as a two-year-old that you can't explain to somebody that's really challenging. So those are the things that those ESL people kind of have a better grasp of because they're, they're used to somebody asking some question, you know, why did you say, um, I enjoy skiing, but I decided to ski and uh, you can't say I decided skiing. And so, and, and it'll catch my clinicians off guard because they'll think, uh, I don't know, because <laughs> you know, we don't learn that stuff in school. That's not, that's the, that's the internal part of the language that we learn as kids. Um, so, so that some of that you do want to brush up on and then get your resources. I, I hope that my book is good for that because that was what it was designed for. Again, I, I know there are training programs out there. What's the name well, of your book again? Here's how to do accent modification. 
and um, from Plural Publishing. There are also a lot of training programs out there, but again, for students, you know, I actually did one as a student, but I didn't feel like it was worth it. And it was a lot of money, so I would say no. Um, and these programs can be pretty expensive. They're, they're very good often, but, you know, get a book and you'll be fine. And then I would say if you're starting out in the field, maybe a new SLP, just start testing the waters and asking around and see what you can come up with and, and maybe start a little side practice and do some marketing and get involved in some, some organizations. I'd like to talk at some point about course band later, but there are a lot of organizations that will kind of get you started on that and just test it out. Tell us about course band right now. Cause uh, that's a great resource. Absolutely. Yeah. So course band is the corporate speech pathology network and I didn't know much about it. I mean, if you probably asked me five years ago, I would have said, I don't know what that is. But when I was doing my book, I was looking at resources. I wanted to have part of my book would be where do you go next and what else, where can you get more knowledge? And so I, was, I reached out to a lot of agencies and organizations. And, and that was one that I really connected with right away because they got right back to me. We had some Zoom meetings and they just had such great energy. And now the people that I connected with through CourseBand are now my close friends, really, and colleagues. So, and then I sort of just by being involved, I ended up becoming the president of it. <laughs> so now I'm president. I started two weeks ago and, and I'm not a private practitioner. And I told them that I was very, they know that, but it was still, I feel like it was a good fit because I do feel like we need to advocate and I love the professional development. It's a community. So I'm not as up to date on what prices to charge or how to market because I don't do that. I try to listen, but, but I still feel like we as a community work a bit. So a little more background on it. We, we only take people who have their C's or an equivalent. So we, we're international. We have people in Australia, Canada, we've got several countries, Portugal, so probably like seven or eight different countries that we represent. But you have to have your C's. And we do like people to have a little bit of experience. I mean, I think if you just got your C's, you're welcome. But to, you know, maybe get out there and try a little bit. But everybody's welcome. Once you get your C's, look us up. Because it's a nice little networking thing. And then we do a lot of professional development. How do you spell CoreSpan? Uh, oh, yeah. C-O-R-S-P-A-N. No E. No E, CoreSpan. S-P-A-N. What does it stand for again? The Corporate Speech Pathology Network. And website support. Yeah, courseband.org. Community, everything. Absolutely, yeah. So, And we have a directory. So that's also a nice marketing thing because it's a searchable through Google. If you your, our names come up, you just fill out a profile. So you can get clients through it. But I think most people recognize the value in a, the community that we've created because mm -hmm. we're constantly talking about these things. We're talking about accent. We're talking about presentation skills. We're talking about transgender voice. We're talking about anything that, that anyone who's in, the, in a workplace might need to improve their communication. Mm -hmm. Very, very needed resource. Tell us about the Facebook group, please. Oh, yeah, right. That's right. And then we've got the... SLP is an accent modification Facebook group because that's run by Paula Galai right now. And it's, that's just an amazing community. There are over 3000 members on there. Now I was actually on there typing away this morning because there were some interesting discussions going on today. Students are welcome on there and you just have to be an SLP or in a program and doing accent modification. That's really it because they just wanted to have a separate space from the ESL people 
because in the old days, I guess there was people would argue who's better at it and there was no need for that. We need our own little community, but it's very open as far as, you know, you don't have to have your C's for that. You just have to be a student and you're in the field and all that. So it's a great resource and people ask questions and people get contacts and, and you, as a provider, you can, you can advertise on there too. I love the resources you shared. You've got, we, we've got your book, yeah. which is how to do accent modification. We have course ban, which is the community. We have the Facebook, um, this podcast. What are some other resources? Well, I think also that I have that sheet. And so people are free to download that because I put, I really didn't put a lot of the more expensive courses in there and people can find those ones, but I put really lower cost things on there that from the ESL world that people can use as for, with their clients. And then we do have some professional development. I gave a talk ex- just about a year ago for speechpathology.com, which is also a wonderful organization. Have you done, which, yeah. What was yours on? Uh, clinical fellowship. Supervision. Oh, absolutely. And I've got yeah. some more topics coming up. I've got a really fun one coming up called SLP at the Improv. It's how to have those really natural conversations that are just crucial to say what you want to say. Yeah, yeah. It's a great, I lo- I've been a big time fan. From, from yeah. Before I talked with them, I always subscribed every year. It's just a great place. But you're going to give us a download with courses and other resources you said? Yeah, I think I sent you that. So you should be able to give that. And it's got the links to everything on there. All that will be there in the show notes. Wonderful. Final question. So I know you have tons of stories and we love, love, love stories on this site. To me, that's one of the things that that keeps me going. It's it's the stories that we all share with one another. And it's that language because we all have the ability to write the stories that we want to write or help the clients write the stories they want to write. Do you have any stories you can share with us? Yeah, I think I do. I do have a couple. And I think when I was writing the book and it, it brings back memories of, of working with Plural Publishing that I told them I'd love to have these little insets in there where we could have clients talking about it and we could have students talking about it and we could have practitioners talking about it. So we really had all three of those covered and they're they're peppered throughout the book. So it's just people that I knew and clients. And so there we all have tons of stories and, and they're they're all amazing. A couple of the ones that come to mind are some of the non-native clients that we've had and even especially the ones in our field, because I know I'm a strong advocate for the non-natives in our field and I know how challenging it is. And I put that in my book because you can imagine, I mean, it's so burdensome and it's so, so really challenging to get through these very intense graduate programs and the undergrad programs. And then if you've got another layer on top Mm -hmm. with being a non-native speaker, it's just it's hard for me to even imagine it. So I'm, I think of a couple of students that, that have come to mind over the years and, and there are a couple of them are in the book. Um, but one of them was one of my undergrad students. She came, she was from China and came as an exchange student. And, and to be honest, um, I don't think they were excited about having her in the class at first because she was an exchange student. She didn't quite go through the regular things, whatever the story was, she stayed in and she was amazing. She was, she was still not sure about differentiating some of the phonemes coming in. And yet she was like my top student in the class. She was just so sharp and we're good friends now. And we have been for a while. She applied to graduate school and didn't get into a couple of schools that surprised me that she didn't get in, but she got into, and I won't name school names for this, but let's just say it was in the top five that she got into a school that was in the top five US ranked speech pathology programs. So I thought, well, here's my Cinderella story, right? 
non-native gets into a graduate program, everything's great. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't such smooth sailing. When she was doing her clinical, her first semester of clinic, her supervisors felt that she was having problems with intelligibility, with some other issues. The clients didn't always understand her, maybe the confidence level. And so she called me up and I, and I, I was, I knew it couldn't be good because she was calling me around Thanksgiving and I just, I had a feeling. So we talked and she said, well, they told me that I just need to, to get some support and take some time off and this and that. And, and I thought, you know, I'm thinking with all these issues going on now where we were trying to, where there's almost a drive to keep SLPs out of this area. And I think, wow, you know, these, these are the times where you really need SLPs to get in there and say, okay, is that really the issue? And, and what can we do? And maybe we could provide her some support. So we did, we did some accent modification with her and it was helpful and she did graduate and she's, she's got her C's. So I do feel that, you know, that we were there to advocate. I mean, was, we were ready. We could, we communicate with some of her people at her university to tell her what's going on and to also keep an eye out to say, and to make sure they weren't doing something inappropriate, that they weren't just judging too harshly because she was a non-native. So I think about her, I think of another wonderful, wonderful, talented clinician who was also my former undergrad student and was very shy as an undergrad. And I remember on the discussion boards, reading her post and thinking, oh my gosh, she's so eloquent. I don't even know who she is. And I, the, I have teach large classes, but I went up to her and said, hey, how come I don't even ever hear you in class? I don't know who you are. And she was extremely shy as a non-native speaker and didn't she didn't have the confidence. We had her as a, we had her in the, in our program, we did some accent modification. She was at a very high level. I wouldn't have referred her for it, but she felt that she wanted to have it for her confidence. And she ended up, the reason I think this is such a successful story is because when she got into grad school in our program, we put her back on the other side of the table and we had her as a clinician doing accent modification which was wonderful. And so it was great to see her. She felt like she improved her confidence so much. And then she, she was able to get out there and, and uh, really feel good about the way she communicated. So, you know, it, it happens all the time. A lot of us hear stories where a student is struggling because it's so challenging as a non-native. And we do a lot of consultation or sometimes we do provide accent modification services. I just think that those students would be really struggling. If, if our programs, feel, if they stigmatize what we do, then I think everybody's going to think, well, what do we do? What do we do? Mm -hmm. And we're there to say, well, we are experts. We know what it's like. We know what it means. We know what's important for communication and we can work and help out and support these students because we all know we want more non-natives of every language, every language. You know, I tell my students, cause I think there's also a misconception that it's just Spanish because that's such a huge demographic and Spanish is extremely important, obviously in this country, but Every language is important and you're going to find a client, no matter what language you speak, you will be called and you'll be so needed one day because someone's going to get you in there and work with that client speaking that language and you're, you're going to save the day. And, and also just having that understanding, that is such an important background for all of our students. I wish everybody spoke another language. And that's another good point to end this on, I guess, is that it's never too late. You know, I really started getting into languages when I was really older, you know, in my, um, in college, really. And then languages that I use every day now, like Spanish, I learned in my 30s. And you can learn a language any age. So I encourage all our SLPs who are not so sure and they may be, you know, is it too late or give it a go, give it a go. You can do it. You are truly inspirational. This has been a treat. 
This has been a treat working with you today and talking with you and having these conversations. I look well, forward for to you next time. We're going to talk about speech pathology in the high school setting. Absolutely. That sounds good. Or bilingual, anything. Bilingual. And then I would love to tap into traveling SLPs. Oh, that too. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Thank you. More to come. I hope today's conversation has created some aha moments for you and motivated you to become a better SLP continuing to connect some of those missing links between what you know and how to use that knowledge. Thank you for downloading the Missing Link for SLPs podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to subscribe, rate it, and leave a short review. Also, please share an episode with a friend. Together, we can raise awareness and help more SLPs find and connect those missing links and get the information needed to help them feel confident in their patient care every step of the way. Follow me on Instagram and join the Fresh SLP community on Facebook. Show notes are always available, so come learn more at freshslp.com. Let's make those connections. You got this.